good starter to once again refresh ourselves. We're going to read both of those passages where mainly the whole root of the doctrine of the sufficiency of Scripture comes in. If you would turn to 2 Timothy, very, and these are both very familiar, especially 2 Timothy chapter 3 to us. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verses 16 and 17. And, right, the word of God itself, God himself tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, and that just means be complete, you know, not perfect, right? None of us are perfect this side of heaven, but it's complete. Complete in knowledge and understanding. Complete in the will of God. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Well, it says thoroughly. You check that. We'll understand that now. Thoroughly. Right? Just completely. I mean, when you're, you're thoroughly equipped unto something, you need nothing else. There is nothing else you need. So... That, that's one of our two. And then also if you turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. And we'll just start in verse 2. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue. Verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, talking about the great and precious promises in this word, that by these ye might be partakers, and it will be partakers, you know, <laughs> You know, by following them, by reading them, by getting to know them, by having, by reading them, getting to know them, and then the Holy Spirit effectually works them out in our lives. Right? Partakers of the divine nature have escaped the corruption of the world through the lust. And I, I talked about this before, but go on there and notice how many times through Second Peter he mentions the word knowledge, our remembrance, you know, calling back to mind things. If I recall it 16 times in the short letter, knowledge is important, right? I've talked about that before, right? The, our battle, our, our true spiritual warfare is of the mind. And when I remember that is, right, we battle the father of lies, right? Because, you know, people are deceived. You know, people are deceived into lies. And we present light. And whether it's religion, somehow you can work your way to heaven. There's some way besides what God has provided through Christ. That's a lie in everything that pertains to it. And then also, you know, just saying, what is sin? What is not sin? You know, what is truth? What is a lie? Just all those things. And the other part of spiritual, it, it's not, it's spiritual warfare is the warfare against our flesh. Right? Because the other thing that you want, that a lot of these books have, we've heard it before, and sometimes, you know, I catch myself even using it, or I hear people use it, and I just go, oh, basically, somehow, you hear it in a lot of different ways, but somehow, the devil made me do it. The devil made him do it. Right? 
And you hear, you hear people label something like this. Well, you know, in their family, they're just, you know, it's like, you hear, they give terms to them like a demon of alcohol, you know, a demon of lust, a demon of this. And the Bible tells us in that we need to put our body under. Uh, I want to just mention uh, two other ones before we start because I want us to see, remember, the Word of God has not changed. And, we're, and, and we're, we'll talk about that. A big thing they do upon this is somehow they think that someone in order to walk with Christ, to live for Christ, to do spiritual warfare, to walk with the Lord in a pleasing way, somehow it's different now. And we're going to take a look and say, it's no different. Actually, it's getting worse. But in the past, it used to be a lot worse. And they still were supposed to. And they did. So, but uh, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Starting in verse number 3 of chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now what he's talking about here, right, it is actually, right, we, this type as far as the battle of the mind. For the weapons of world warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, fortresses. You know, it might say in your translation, but casting down imaginations, right, so anything we can imagine. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Remember, we're going to talk about that in 2 Timothy 3 and in 2 Peter 1, right? That, that's all those things, all those great precious promises, all those truths contained in Scripture, all those things that the Word of God itself will perfectly instruct us on, correct us on, reprove us on, teach us good doctrine, that we can walk in, a, walk in pleasing, walk in the pleasing good will of God for our lives. Nothing's ever changed there. Right against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You know what does that mean? But really, we should look at it this way, right? I mean, let's take this seriously. You know, Paul throughout throughout the scriptures many times compared it to a warfare. I talked last time about it. if you remember, you read through the letters to Timothy, he compared it a lot in First Timothy, right, to wage a good warfare. To be a good soldier, right? And he compared it to like farming, right? And to being an athlete and competing in that, right? And he all said, you, you know, compete, but you must do it lawfully. What does it mean? By the word. We walk according to his word. But uh, I wanted to one other thing to see, you know, has, has any of that changed? Has anything changed? Because according to so far, and we looked at it before, these books they write about getting into his presence, these books they write about all these things like feeling God, experiencing God, however they want to name it, you know, and then battling Satan, battling demons, spiritual warfare, however they want to name it, all of it's foreign to the Word of God. They got it all from the scriptures they use are all twisted and taken out of context. Every single one, and that can be clearly proven, and we did that a lot. It's clearly proven. To not accept that is just to either you're just being deceived or you're purposely deceiving, Right? It's just going to show at the very least they have no place teaching because they can't even handle clear, simple truths of Scripture, let alone trying to, you know, trying to teach you anything else about, you know, teaching you in godliness and proper doctrine and proper behavior, you know. But, uh, you know, as I was saying, they talk a lot about, well, things are different now, you know, and you hear that a lot. And we, we sometimes... 
Now, is that true, or is that a lie that's coming against us? That we're thinking, you know, now things are different. Things are so much tougher. Things are harder for our youth, right? You got the internet. You got this out there. Well, first of all, let's look because is that what the, would the Word of God agree with that? With that thinking, with those statements. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter one. And it's funny, Ecclesiastes, like, I mean, right away to set things out. I mean, it, it's like it deals with that. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 1, starting in verse 9. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done, is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Now, keep in mind, this is, let's just say, let's say roundabout and be conservative. This is 3,000 years ago. No new thing under the sun then, but everyone thought there was, right? People have people always been thinking this and saying this. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new? It hath been already of old time, which was before us. I say that to say that some of the things that we think want to come against us now is like, uh, for instance, you know, we don't always say it, but uh, you got the internet and all the vile things that come over the internet. You know, and hey, uh, you know, that, that makes it so much tougher to live a Christian life. You know, or, uh, you know, well now we, we see this agenda, we see this globalist agenda and the world powers that be and even powers in the church are against us. Is that new? You know, you hear of other things when they talk with the so-called spiritual warfare. Is like, every here, well, overseas, like in these other lands that aren't acquainted with the gospel as much. There's all this idolatry and there's witchcraft and there's this stuff. That makes it hard for them. Is that new? Well, let, let's, let's imagine, let, let's imagine for a minute, okay? And I, I just want to set a tone so we think about this. So, from the beginning... Right? Before the fall, man was perfect. Man had no sin nature. Man had perfect paradise that God had created and given him to ten. And there was basically only one commandment. Right? It, you, you can eat whatever. Right? But don't eat of this tree. And then Satan comes along, whispers in the ear. That's where his power is, deception. He's the father of lies. And so for whatever reason, and what was the thing? So you will be like him. He's holding something from you. There's something better. There's something beyond what God had already said and revealed of himself. There's something better, right? Your eyes will be open. You'll be like God. And so he took it. And then Adam comes along. It doesn't say exactly what it, you know, what did she say to him? What, what did he say to Jesus? You know, even the apple. And, you know, well, apple fruit, whatever it was, right? We actually don't know. Everyone always says an apple, but it never tells us. And then he ate, so he willingly dis disobeyed God. And then the fall. And ever since then, the fall in age and the flesh we had to deal with. But there's nothing new under the sun. And, and to live the Christian life, to live a pleasing walk with God, right? We have Jesus Christ, and it says in Jesus Christ, right? He's wisdom, redemption sanctification unto us and this word of God sanctifies us and it's all we need uh, I just want to mention a few things we won't turn to each one of these but I, well there's a few I want to write away 
So first of all, as far as things are just, they've never been like this before. Go to Genesis chapter 6. I, I did want to talk to this just about especially, you know, I mentioned last time, if, you know, the people that were here, that I remember that I want to talk about this wild falsehood teaching on spiritual warfare, like we're literally to take on, take on Satan and call out his name and demonic names and everything and cast them off. And that's just un, so unbiblical. And there's not one example of it anywhere in scripture. But let's just see what, what it's like, because Genesis chapter 6, and this is, should be really familiar to us, right? Uh, the first one, I'm read through this, not to get back on that, there's a lot of stuff going upon there. What about the giants? What about this? What about that? But really, when you study it all out and you compare it with history and you compare it elsewhere in the Bible, those are really saying the giants. The strong always oppress the weak. It was happening here, too, to a great extent. We were under great pressure, but... So, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And then we, we know the story, right? He, he told Noah, right? He, and the flood came, and except, right, for the, for the animals on land, except for the ones that were brought into the ark, and Noah and his family, eight souls... They were saved, and that was a representative of a type of Christ. Now we're in the ark, we're in Christ, we believe in Christ, right? We're saved from, from, from judgment, right? But we know the judgment came, right? Which everyone know waters covered the earth. Go on to Genesis chapter 8. <clears throat> the flood's over, right? The waters have receded. Noah comes out, and verse 21 of chapter 8 of Genesis. And, you know, Noah had just built an altar unto him and offered unto him a sacrifice. And verse 21. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. Why? For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. So the reason he said, all these other stories you may get are thoughts you've heard of teaching that why the flood came. Ultimately, the root cause of it was the evil of men's hearts. And the flood didn't take care of that. Because he said, again, I won't do it because the thoughts of man's hearts only evil continually. So even right there, we know. Ever since the fall, evil's been here. Right? Evil's been here. And in how many ways? Well... Let us think as far as what's really changed. When, when we know when the people were bought to Israel, that Israel was in Egypt, and when God bought them out of it, what was, what, was going on, what was going on there? Well, they were really steeped in the sorcery and the dark arts. Right? Those kind of things exist. You know, we talked about it before. There's a spiritual realm out there. There's things with evil principalities, powers, where have nothing to do with it. We're not supposed to spend our time thinking about it ever, and we, and we don't have to fear it. But we definitely don't be so ridiculous in that, right, and disobedient to delve into it. But, you know, just to bring in there, I'll go to Exodus chapter 7. Okay, Exodus chapter 7. Verse 10. Don't get These are just examples of right things that are now, right, in the West, 
right? Things have actually, we haven't experienced a lot of the evil that they've experienced in the past yet. It's yet to come. It was a lot worse back then. But the people of God were still hope. You know, we're still hope. And those by, who by faith and by grace would stand with him, we've always had to resist that. And there's been many, many times of it being much, much worse, much harder. You could say if we think in our natural thinking, the wisdom of the world, than it is right now. Right? So it's just, it's not an excuse. And it's also a lie to try to get us to thinking like something, maybe excuse ourselves. Like, well, it's just somehow harder today. Well, Exodus chapter 7, right? This is, Mo, you know, Moses and Aaron are before Pharaoh and everything and telling the judgment. So read verse 10. Let's start in verse 10. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Oh, a sign from God, right? Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantment. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. Okay, but Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. You know, just showing God's power is stronger than their power. But still, wow, I don't know. I've never seen anything like that of you. You know, maybe some people have. The fact is, right, so sorcery has been here around a long time. Sorcery, witchcraft, and we know, we know even in the laws and that, that it's completely, you know, according to, I believe it's Deuteronomy 18, Right? That it's absolutely forbidden any type of those arts. By the way, in that in any religion that where they talk about speaking to the dead or praying to the dead, guess what? That's just another form of necromancy, by the way, which is also forbidden. But all these arts and all this sin and all this abomination has always been there. And it used to be common practice. <clears throat> you know, to turn there, but remember in that, during Acts, I'm preaching in that. Remember, and people were enchanted with Simon the Sorcerer. Because he had performed all these enchantments and that for years, and they thought he was like, had the power of God within him. And he finally heard the gospel, and they heard the gospel, and they believed it. He tried to hold people back. It, it's always been there. Been in their Old Testament times, and then in the beginning of the church, beginning of the preaching of the gospel. It's always been there. But it was more commonplace. It was even much more commonplace than it is now. <clears throat> So, you know, we just have to remember that it just, it's, it's not an excuse to do so. But, uh, also, and also about, I want to get into that. So, actually, evil's always been here, right? And gross sin and abomination. And, you know, the powers that be trying to oppress, oppressing the children of God. Always, always been here. But also is this fascination, this fascination with people wanting to experience the divine, the power of God. Because they have to. What God said, for the most part, generally speaking, has never been good enough. Go to Genesis. Go ahead, Dean. I was just going to say, it's actually really important what you're saying with how these evils have been there for thousands of years because when I think of the secular worldview and lifestyle, growing up, it was presented to me, whether it was in school or movies or conversation, 
the worldview that we got was is we're smarter now than everybody was before us. Evolution, we've evolved further, we have technology now, and this is the new way, this is the right way. People in the past, they were just stupid. And when in fact, all this is, is it's a repeat in many ways of what's gone before. And, but it's presented as if the secular worldview is the smart way. And this influence, I think, has come into many churches, and it gets many Christians who buy into this kind of halfway to look back at Christians in the past and say, oh, I'm kind of ashamed that they did that. I'm kind of ashamed that those Christians did that. When in fact, if you actually examine this rightly from a biblical worldview, it's easy to see how we've been infected, affected, infected, I should say. And we look back at those Christians and realize actually what we thought they were doing that was wrong wasn't wrong. Whether yep. it was in their culture, their legal system, whatever. And it shows how far we've come. But it's not new. It's just a rehashing of so much of what's gone before us. Yeah. I mean, there are some parts about it that's, you know, some new things in a sense, the way the teaching's presented. Yeah. But the sins have always been there. Yeah, you know, they all been there. And another thing, too, it's so interesting where we might say that, well, that was them, right? I mean, I don't know you, but you, you think about where... Like Hebrews, and if you when you read that book, and you understand, okay, it was mainly to a Jewish audience, and they're under under, under immense strain. And my gosh, how could they be thinking or tempted to go astray from the faith or starting to accept other things? Well, I don't know you, but I've never actually, actually, been you know threatened to be murdered, martyred from my faith yet. So until you actually experience that, let us try to hold our judgment a little bit, right? You know, when you know when we, we, when, when, when we think of these things, and just imagine, right, sin's always been there, you through the Old and New Testaments, right? The children of God have always been pressured and attacked and, and persecuted and oppressed by all the powers that be. Religious people who believe they were on the side of God, Right? You look at the Old Testament prophets, right? You look at, no, these people all believe. And in the beginning, Saul, before he was saved and became and renamed Saul, believed he was doing God's work by persecuting the church. People always on that. You look at the Reformation, think there's so much bad here. A lot of people, a lot of people you, you kind of lose the mind about the Reformation. Things were real dark then because they had brought in so many superstitions that still exist to this day in a lot of those countries. And they murdered, the Roman Catholic Church and behind them murdered millions of Protestants. But hey, things are a lot worse now. They're not. But read Genesis 19, uh, starting... In, in, in verse 4, right? We say think, things are bad now. Now we understand, right, that this... Uh, I, I just experienced a lot, so we go again into that, but it's amazing, right? They're trying to shut us up to say anything against homosexuality, but we see the whole homosexual, you know, in one shape or form or another agenda that's coming across the, the West, Right? And, oh, it's worse than it's ever been. Well, let's think of that. Sodom was a pretty big city, right? Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around her. Pretty big area. Verse 4 of chapter 19. But before they lay down, 
You know what I mean? Uh, you know the angels and Lot and his family before they lay down. The men of this city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house around. So, you know, all the house around there, they just uh, encircled the house. Both old and young, all the people from every quarter. You know, so maybe it wasn't all people, but the, 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 the verse is, right? <laughs> A huge crowd. We want to think of this. Crowd here, you can imagine, imagine here, Bismarck Band, and I, I would assume it'd be at least a crowd of probably thousands, thousands of men of all ages. Compass the house around, both old and young, all people from every quarter, and they called in a lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Now we'll get into it, but you all know what that means. Right? They want to have intimate relationships with them. Because they just thought they were good-looking men. They were sexually attracted to these men. And Lot went out the door under them and shut the door after them and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. At least he understood, right? He said, don't do so wickedly. He understood. This is a, a very wicked act. I mean, there is sin, and it, not all sin is the same. That's a very wicked act. And he, he just offered them, you know, it won't get in there, he offered his two dollars. He, he would just, they were so concerned, right? Don't do this. I mean, you know, put yourself on that. Imagine, imagine you have thousands of people pressing in, pressing into your house. Imagine you, 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 you may weaken a little bit. <clears throat> Verse 9. And they said, the people of Sodom, after he just after he just basically pleaded with them, offered him his own daughter, said, don't do this thing unto these men. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. I know that's never happened to me. Happened to you? I don't... See the news. What I mean is, yeah, we see things getting getting more and more tense as we see it go. But I guarantee that what's holding it back, and I believe it will get to that way, because we're told in the Bible and that the time the time will come, the time will come, right? Before the Lord's return, it'll be like the time of Noah. They drank, right? They gave in marriage, right? Until the Lord came and took them all away. What does he mean, took them all the wicked, right? Judgment came. Do, everyone does their own thing. But part of that time, remember what was the other thing of the time of Noah? Every thought, every imagination of a man's heart was only evil. And we see that now, right, in this time, this whole area and that these people had just become extremely perverse and wicked. <clears throat> so, I say that to say, you know, don't, there's a big thing with scripture warfare, like, Somehow they want to convince that you know there's something inside this word of God is something we gotta do. Maybe maybe we can be enticed to it thinking, well, there's something that we that we need to experience. I mean things I mean things are different now, I mean, things are so sinful. They're sinful, yes. But you used to be much more rampant in society. And it's getting that way. But still, as I read before, right, the word of God what we use to combat it, because according to 2 Corinthians 10, right, we come against, right, every imagination and thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Yeah, you. One thing maybe we might say, too, we think is that some sins are more common now than at previous times, and some sins are less common. A lot of it depends on the place you live, the time you live, 
you know, like, for example, so about 95% of people have been with somebody in an immoral way before they're married in the United States. Let's say it's a general estimate. Whereas during the Reformation time, say in Europe, it wasn't that bad concerning that one thing. But then there are some other things that might have been worse. So a lot of it is depending on, I think, what a person is talking about. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, you know, I, I, I agree. I, uh, the reason it is, it is, you know, keep in mind, and my biggest thing in that is how easy it is for us, and it can be, and it has been in the past, to somehow get pulled off from the good, simple, and straight path that God has given us into going outside his dictates, his will, his commandments and doing stuff that he's never, never prescribed for us to do. You can't find it in any place. If had anything like it in history, it was always connected to false teachers. Always. And it's nothing new in this. You just say Gnosticism one form or another. It was there in the beginning of the church. We find it in the epistles, in the book of Acts, in the epistles. You know, all types of false teaching. You know, all types of sorcery. All type, you know, I mean, <laughs> the demon possession. You see all of that. And then when we see how they dealt with it, it was still, you know, when you keep in mind, these feelings, his experience, these signs and wonders, however it goes upon there, you can't use what is shown us by, you know, by something that, happen as that's a prescri- or something an apostle or the Lord Jesus Christ did as being prescribed for us to do the same thing when nowhere in scripture does it say so you know and they, they just make up a bunch of theology are you going to say something Mike? well I was just thinking about you know a lot of people have a question about why Lot would offer up his daughters to these men I mean, that, that's a big well, question that a lot of people have and really that goes to the very core of the gravity of what we're seeing here in our text. Yeah. And that is that they were so given over. They were so given over to that which is unnatural, which the Bible describes Sodom as unnatural, right? That Lot knew they wouldn't take his daughters. They, they have no interest in women. And it, it, really, it really shows you the depravity that's taking place here. That even offering up that which is natural, those who are depraved and drawn to the unnatural wouldn't even consider it. What do you think about it? And so it really does go to the heart of the depravity of our text. Well, and and, 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 and you, you, you see it now, basically trying to silence you, but you, you'll find yep. that voicing any, any yep. type of objection, any type of objection, can be as mel as it could be against things like homosexuality, especially that agenda right now, you, you, you offend people and people attack you for it. As mellow as it can be, you know, as mellow as it can be. But I want to get into something talking about, you know, when, when I mentioned last time, I wanted to, you know, this whole thing, experiencing God, especially spiritual warfare, that whole thing about experiencing God. Oh, I, I never did. Go back. Uh, I'll just mention, we all, we all know it. You don't have to turn there. Very familiar. I know everyone in here knows it. But. Now think of the people of God and how God led them out of Egypt. 
right? Through miraculous signs and wonders. You want to talk about experiencing God, right? Like, the, all these books are trying to teach us, like, that should be the common practice, right? We need that. That's what we need to be full and really vibrant and really revived right now. Experience God. Even at the, in the very end, the, the, the last act he did in the deliverance from that, right? I mean, little, he, he, I mean, just imagine, right? This is, this is how, this is actually how weak, what I mean, the effect of signs and wonders are. And why we are not to live by them, but we live by everything in this word. He, they're scared. Here comes Pharaoh's army. You know, Moses goes and he says, put out the rod, right? He parts the Red Sea. They go right on through. Could you imagine? I mean, just kind of imagine, you know, the water's way up on their sides, right? They go right through it. And there's the other thing. Here comes Pharaoh's army right behind him. And he closes it in. Your enemy's gone. Deliverance. Then they praise God, right? They saw that. So that was immediate. They praise God. Then, of course, as they go, go through the wilderness, right, they complain again and again and again. Because they're not content, you know, because God isn't there every moment of every day. They're not experiencing God. The presence of God is not there every moment. So they complain. They get bitter. They murmur. God appears before them, right? The fire on the mouth, everything. I mean, oh, they were so scared and shaking in that. They said to Moses, you speak to us. We don't want to hear that voice anymore. And they spoke rightly. God calls Moses up on the mouth. He was gone for a little while. Not that long. Now, we don't know what's become of this Moses, the people. Right? And what are they basically saying? Our experiences have waned. We're bored. We're bored now. We're not experiencing God. We're not in the presence of God. His power isn't flowing through me right now. I don't feel him. Build us a calf. Make us an image. And then even Aaron says, and then make the molten calf. Here's your gods that led you out of Egypt. And they started having a, they worship and have a wild sexual orgy before it. The fact of the matter is people will justify any type of action to satisfy their own lust, right? And that's where the spiritual warfare of the mind coming against the lies and the warfare of flesh, we're supposed to put it on and be obedient, right, comes into play. But this whole thing about experiencing God didn't last history and the Bible. The Bible, God showed us, it never, ever lasts. Ever. And when people base their walk and their knowledge of Him and being with Him on experience and feelings and everything, they fail. Because it's not real. Even, it, I'll say one more thing. I just have to, because in, in Second Peter, when I said that he talks about the word of God, I'll notice a, a, a trap we get from these false teachers. That's right, because we have, it. they're all false teachers. They're all, when you corrupt the word of God, when you start doing it to any degree, wherever error begets error. And there's different types of false teachers. That's what I'm going to get into. we got to watch out for them. We're, we're led into believe now that, hey, if, I mean, okay, that's not that serious of an error. You know, I'll still love that brother. That doesn't mean he's not a brother. Whether it's a brother or not doesn't matter. Is it the truth? That's what matters. That's what matters. But uh, go back to 2 Peter, because remember, that's one of the core root verses we have. 
for just what we're talking about. That the, the, the Bible teaches us clearly and emphatically that the Word of God right, is completely sufficient and thoroughly equips us for all things that pertain to life and godliness. Amen? You read that in 2 Peter 2 through 4. Okay, but you notice he's warning this whole, the whole book goes on starting in chapter 2, right? False prophets. It's all about false teaching, but notice that we get an idea of what was going on. What were these false teachers doing? And what, what was their false teaching coming from? And what was it causing? Okay. First type, because we'll, we'll do this and then we'll go on, but uh, first I'll, I'll just read, and this is really good, I'll just let the Word of God speak for itself. In 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. So he believed these people were established. They knew these things, the things he's teaching, the things he taught them in First Peter, right? In, in First Peter, the things he's going to go on and tell them, they knew, but he was reminding them. Because we always need constant reminding. Right? <clears throat> Yea, I think it meet, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Again, right? Remembrance, calling to mind the things that you've been taught. Knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, he knew he was about to be martyred, even as the Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Again, calling to mind the things that you have previously been taught, and I know you know these things well, or at least used to, right? These are people that had been well taught. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. So there's fables coming in, untruths, just errors, fanciful, whatever they are. And you want to read this stuff that they call devotions and about spiritual warfare and about getting into his presence, rack them all up with that. Okay? When we may know that he's the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Right? You know, he's talking about him, James and John, were up on the mount, right? And the Lord allowed them to see he was transformed before their eyes. And then appeared Moses and Elijah with him, right? A talk about a sight. And then hearing from heaven, you know, this confirmation. It's like, wow, what a sign, Right? Talk about what a presence, what power, right? And that's what he's talking about, right? He, he goes on to say that. He, yeah, we, we have that, right? Verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. Right? Knowing this first. That no prophecy of the scripture is any private interpretation. So whatever they are saying, he was saying, no, this is what we have told you, what I am telling you now, what the other apostles have told you, what the Old Testament prophets have said, is the word of God. You can count on it, it's truth. What these people are saying are fables, they're lies. It's not of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God speak, is they are moved by the Holy Ghost. But, 
There were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Right? Now, I, I want you to notice that what a, what's some things that you can see about these teachers? Okay, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. What's one thing they all want to do? They're selling you their books, their tapes, their biographies. They have these conferences. They become actually very wealthy, most of them, off the backs of all the average saints that buy their garbage. But they're doing it for personal gain. But, uh, one of you notice, jump on to verse 10. He's just talking, I want to take some examples to see about and the driving force and what and where where this uh, th this type of false teaching comes from, right? But chiefly them that walk after the flesh, in the lust of uncleanness, they despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. And I do believe there he is talking about angelic beings. And keep in mind, why do I say that? Look at the huge resurgence now in the last 30 years of so-called spiritual warfare that I've been talking about. We're to actually confront, pray against Satan, calling out his name, ordering him to be gone or whatever, right? Railing against him. That's what these people did and taught. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. And why do I say that? Because the next verse, whereas angels which are greater in power might Bring not railing accusation before them, before the Lord. But these, these false teachers, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of things that they understand not. And shall only perish in their own corruption. thing is, they speak evil, right? They're railing against evil spiritual forces. Why not that? Because also, it's the same type. It's flip over to Jude, and we'll end here. Because he's talking also about these false teachers that he's talking about. And the main thing that he's coming against. <clears throat> Verse 8 of Jude. Likewise, he's talking about the false teachers. These filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not, you know, dared not, bring against him, Satan, a railing accusation. But said the Lord, rebuke me. That was Michael. That's not, we're not even supposed to, I believe, right, address Satan. This is Michael, the archangel. By the way, right? <clears throat> but these, these false teachers, Speak evil of those things which they know not. So the way they present spiritual warfare is foreign to Scripture. The way they teach us how to engage in spiritual warfare is foreign to Scripture. And we're even taught in Scripture, if anything, not to engage in spiritual warfare like they do. Because they're speaking evil of these angels, this demonic realm, this principalities and powers, things that they ought not. They do not understand what they are talking about. But these speak evil, those things which they know not. 
And then, you know, the woes under them, right? The reason charities. Now, I say that that's just one type, right? And we'll, we'll, we'll look at these different types, but that's one way, right? These dreamers and these people that bring on, and especially, it's becoming a real big thing. I mean, even, maybe you have, but have you heard somebody before, like, buying Satan? Or they speak to Satan in some form or fashion in their prayer. Like, well, uh, we're going to rent out this auditorium, or we're going to go in the city. The reason no one's being saved is we haven't bound up Satan. Or we haven't bound up the demons that are controlling, whatever it is. According to 2 Peter and Jude, that is false. Those are false teachers. And if anything, they're speaking evil of those things they understand not. And, you know, by this, obviously, we're to avoid them. So, it, and, and I guarantee you, right, even <laughs> their own books, the ones that admit it, even admit, where did they get this so-called knowledge that they explain to us about spiritual warfare? <laughs> because, one, then they all use this, in the book of Daniel, do we all recall when he was praying and then Michael or angel showed up? Oh, Gabriel. Gabriel showed up. And said the prince of Persia, right, resisted in 21 days. Daniel wasn't praying against Satan. He, he was just praying there, right, and, you know, fasting and praying. That verse. And then we're told nothing else. They have made a living out of concocting an entire fabricated formulas and spiritual warfare, and they sell millions of books. From that twisted piece of scripture, yes, spiritual warfare goes on. How exactly? What are we to do about it? We're just told, well, we, you know, we pray, put it in the Lord's hands. We, we ask him not to lead us into temptation, deliver us from all evil. Right? That's our spiritual warfare. Read this word and obey it. I'll say this one last thing, and then we are done, unless anyone got a question. Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? Just turn there. And that, this is where we'll end because I, I, I want to end this. That, again, this is another deal about how do we walk? How do we know? How can we know we're walking just as the Lord wants us to walk with him? Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, right? Because of everything he's done. I, you know, I beg you, I plead with you that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. <clears throat> so, right, we also have to, right, trust and obey. Right? Obey. Make a, make a determination to obey Him, you know, and walk in righteousness. You know, that's what will never fail, but make that determination in your heart and mind. And then pray for His grace and His help. And trust that He will. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, literally metamorphosed, completely transformed, right? The new man being built up from the inside out by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove, right? Come to know, put it to the test. You'll come to know it. You may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It's not rocket science, right? Trust and obey. Right, read, study, gather together, do what he's told us to do, and we'll be just fine. And don't listen to the false teachers. Don't listen to anything that's outside of Scripture. Because it always leads, right? Because the devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy. From the very beginning, ever since our 
great, greatest grandparents listen to Satan in the beginning. Right? Always going outside the revealed will of God, word of God, has always led, right, to death, theft, and destruction. So, and he warns us about it, I'll keep away from it. Uh, with that, does anyone have any final comments? Mike? Well, I was just thinking about what you were talking about there. So, in your text, the second Peter, verse 20, knowing this verse, that no prophecy of Scripture has any private interpretation. What is that? What is that telling us? Well, you went to an example where they'll take one verse and they'll build a whole doctrine. Actually, what that verse is saying to us is that we systematically look at Scripture. We compare Scripture to Scripture and go, "Is that is that in line with what all of Scripture says?" And that's really where one gets into trouble. You just take a simple Scripture. I mean, you, we know movements, right? Mm -hmm. The Campbellite movement uh, was built upon some doctrine, a couple of verses in the Book of Acts in church history. They built a whole a whole movement on that thing that you must be baptized to be saved, right? I mean, all that. So again, a great warning, a great really instruction to all of us. Number one, you have to compare scripture with scripture. And number two, it, by the way, it is inspired. <laughs> yeah. By the way, so if yeah. that's our truth and that's yeah. our one other example too. How about the snake handlers? Basically, that's their whole thing, right? I I I know I'm a Christian because I can let a snake. I can handle a snake. <laughs> so I don't have anything else. Like to comment on or, or well, question, yeah, just something going to that. That's why yeah. several of their leaders have all died from, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> you know, it's like that. Just trying to let them know, right? It's like, yeah. It just doesn't work. Yeah.